right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson, and along with me is Nick Springer. I'll tell you what's happening. Kansas football 7-2. They are 7-2. and two. They clinched a winning season. We're going to break down the KU-Iowa State game all throughout the show, including uh, right off the top here. We will get into a lot of KU basketball today, too, because their season opener is tonight at 7 o'clock. Pre-game going to start at 5.30 right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. You can also listen to the game on our sister station with 105.9 KISS. We'll spend a little bit of time on Chiefs uh uh, recap in Germany because it was obviously a big game and everything, but for the most part today it's all KU football, all KU basketball. Uh, right off the top here, yeah, Kansas wins 28-21 over right Iowa do. State. Uh, they win in Ames. Oh, Ames is a tough environment. Oh, KU can't win on the road. Oh, uh, lots of boos were had during the game from from all the fans. I was booing my TV. Um. Yeah, it was, it was a very uh, KU-Iowa State experience, I think would be the way to put it. But KU comes out on top. Excellent game by the defense. And now back-to-back years yep. that you have had excellent performances against Iowa State. The one last year, though, was – there was a little bit of you a – had some help from Iowa State Yeah, there was Iowa help, State missed kickers. Bad. Iowa State wasn't very good. <laughs> uh, not that I think Iowa State has a great offense, but, I mean, I, I think they're a little more frisky this year than they were last year offensively. Uh, they scored love, 30 points. Love frisky. Yeah, in three of their Big 12 games. The defense was excellent, especially in the first half. First half, you hold them to three points. Yeah. Um, second half, it felt like you played a little bit more soft coverage because the score is twenty-one to three. You were trying to have them eat clock, and then it let Rocco get going. He yeah. I plus, mean, it was like no, ten for ten at one point. No Melo Dotson in the second half. That I hurt think, really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, he had some third and long struggle. They converted three like third and twelves or longer at one point. They were four for four on third down at one point. Like you said, Melo Dotson was hurt, but still, the aftermath of everything. Um, I mean, holding them to a field goal on that last drive was obviously huge. To, to give up 21 points in a game where you also scored seven yourself on the Mellow Dotson pick six, I mean, think about it that way. KU wins by seven, Mellow Dotson, that's the pick, that's the difference. But, yeah, I mean, basically when you're basically saying, hey, we're going to give up 21, but we're going to score seven, that realistically means that you're only allowing a 14-point hole, essentially. is basically you're saying – can the offense put up more than 14 points? Because then we win the game. Yep. And they were able to do that, and the defense was excellent. So I want to get into some of the offensive stuff, and I thought Jason Mean was excellent in some of the stuff that they did, but uh, I, to me, the defense won them the game. Yeah, I one, guess, other, one other uh, quick note on the defense, and we talked about this last week, I think, with the defensive touchdowns. There are now seven teams in the country with four defensive touchdowns for the season, KU being one of them. The other ones, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good group to be a part of. These are the teams with four defensive touchdowns over the course of this season. Ohio State, mm. Michigan, mm. Tennessee, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, Kentucky, and then Arkansas and Kansas is the seventh. Those are the seven teams. So that's that's pretty good company. I mean, <laughs> two of the company. top four teams in the country with Michigan and Ohio State, Notre Dame, Tennessee. Like this KU defense has been opportunistic and been really really awesome. And 
And uh, yeah, incredible stuff from the defense, and and I think that just puts in perspective how great they've been in in terms of creating chances and turning those into into points the other way. So very very impressive stuff. Very very impressive. So uh, yeah, Melo Dotson uh, sucked. He got hurt for the second straight week, but before he left, he, yeah. he had those big pick sixes. Well, by the way, what was most concerning was it did not look great for him when he got hurt either. No, it, it looked pretty rough. Which, it was weird. They didn't show the replay. Nobody really knew what yeah. was totally going on. But it sounds like he's Lance doing Leipold, okay right now. Yeah, Lance Leipold kind of said that he's. Better than expected, which I'm that that quote is like positive, but also concerns me because it like how bad did you think it was then Mm -hmm. possibly? So we'll see on that one. Yes, certainly it'd be big to have him back this weekend uh, for the remainder of the season with Tech. Outside of the defense, because it was a really good run defense game. You obviously had the pick six and stuff. First half you were really good in the past. Uh, Second half, like I said, a little more. I don't know, sit it back. Got some pressure on Rocco. Sacked Mm -hmm. him sometimes. You did, which that was crazy when they got the one sack. Like We mentioned that they'd only given up six sacks all year, which led the Big 12, but I didn't realize they hadn't given up a sack at home until you sacked them multiple times. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, I thought that was Jason Means' best game of the season. I'll I'll take it a step further. I think that was the best game of his career. So the only reason I didn't go quite that far, I would be open to having this conversation, and I would be open it to it being the best. That game last year against Oklahoma State where he goes, what, like 17 of 21, it was a really 200 good yards, and has yeah. uh, the 80-yard run or whatever it was. Yes. That one was really good, too. Very, the reason very that good, I'm open to hearing that this one was better than that one, though, is because— The context. The, the context of this on the road. on the road, tough environment, wet fields— I would yeah, say dude, the number one pass defense Screw the field, by the way. <laughs> what, employ a grounds crew, Iowa State. What are we doing? You think this Ridiculous. is how the Eagles felt during the Super Bowl? Anyway, um, <laughs> you, you add to it, Iowa State coming in was the number one defense in the Big 12 in completion percentage against, yards allowed per pass, and passer efficiency against. So the number one pass defense in the Big 12, uh, 10th of the country in pro football focus coming in. They were top 10 defense overall on ESPN SP+. For what, being tied to first do what in the Big Twelve did. and interceptions, yes, and we talked about that on Friday. Iowa State coming in was five and zero when they forced two or more turnovers. They were zero and three when they didn't. Guess how many turnovers they forced? Zero. Zero. And Jason Bupkis. means a big reason why. None. And Nada. you know what? Sometimes there's there's moments during games where a quarterback doesn't throw a pick, but it's like ah, that could have been picked. There really wasn't that in this no. game for Jason. I, the closest you could get to it was when he threw to like triple coverage for Jared Casey. But that wasn't like close to being picked. It was just kind of in a crowd. Um, there, there were. It was that play, and then it was the one that a lot of people got mad about on social media, where it was the third and three. I think it was when K was up seven nothing. Bean could have ran for the first down. Oh, yeah. He threw for the big play, incomplete. You end up missing the field goal. Yeah, those are the only play. Which, to be clear, like even Patrick Mahomes is going to have plays during the game where he's like, ah, I wish I could which, have that one back. I'd like to circle back to that real quick. Uh-huh. People get mad at Bean when he runs, and then they get <laughs> mad when he throws. Well, what do you want him to do? I, my point being. If, if there's only, like, two plays that stick out where it's like, yeah, you probably should have done this or that, everything else was electric. And some of the tight throws that he had to make where it was like, if he throws it even a yard this way or that way, it's going to be incomplete or intercept or whatever it is. And then you add to it that Iowa State was playing very handsy in the secondary. Iowa State got away with probably two or three pass interferences that could have been there, like the stats, the completion percentage would have been even better for Jason Bean if that would have happened. But, I mean, like, again, I was going back and watching the game this morning. The ones that come to mind are obviously the ones that, that closed out the game, the Jared Casey pop-up throw where he smartly said, just kind of throws it in a place where it's like, hey, let's make sure this gets you there and makes the catch because you're so wide open. The pass to Lawrence Arnold where if it's literally a foot 
thrown shorter, that pass might get deflected and knocked away. But it ends up being the 80-yard touchdown that, that wins you the game there. And that was a critical moment in the game. It also, really was. Because it, Iowa State had a lot of momentum at that time. They they cut the lead, the deficit down to three, and it it felt like it felt like KU absolutely needed a response, and they had it immediately. Yeah. And so you had that one. There was the uh, the throw that Quint Skinner made, the unbelievable catch, but that had to be pinpointed into a window, and it was. Yeah. There was uh, a couple throws like to early deep in the game. Line. Yeah, early in the game, he had a throw to Luke Graham. Luke that Graham was, was like, one. Uh, it was it was an NFL throw. Yes. It was from the from the near side to the far side of the field on an out route over the top of a guy. There Perfect. was another one very similar to Doug Emelian. Where he had to toe-tap yep, yep. in. The Doug Million one was great, yeah. There were like four or five or maybe even six catches which were like that, were kind of like deep out throws, 15, 20 yards down the field, 10 yards down the field, which got you first downs on plays that, because they're on the sideline, they had to be perfectly thrown for the receiver to be able to get two feet in, and they exactly were that. So he was excellent. Yeah. I, I agree with you in that I would be fine. Well, okay. The more I'm talking about it, the more I am kind of thinking <laughs> it is the best game of his career. At the very least, it is the best of his game KU of his career. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I've, sure. I've, I've, I don't know. I didn't watch all the tape of his North Texas <laughs> did, career. Right? North Texas, but I would imagine though this is uh, kind of the best. Yeah. And and KU I mean, was really the, reliant on it too yeah, because the I mean, running game did not get going in a way that you kind of hoped for coming in. Yeah. The, the poise, the composure on the road, and then yeah, I, exactly. I was exactly going to say what you just said, which is on top of all that. You you needed him. You needed that. You needed that game out of him because your ground game was really not getting going the way that you've seen it in the past, uh, and it really struggled. And Iowa State, you know, we we mentioned it with the style of defense that they run. Last year they'd given Kansas some trouble on offense, and they they did a pretty decent job of stopping the KU run game for the most part. Daniel Highshaw still had a couple nice runs in there as well, and they still were able to Devin you, still lean a on the touchdowns. Run. Yeah, so it's still not working out. But when you just look at the stat sheet. KU did not run the ball very well in this game. They needed Jason Bean to step up and be that guy, and boy, did he ever. He did. All right, here's here's a fun question for you. Sports radio topic. Okay. Should KU just start Jason Bean the rest of the regular season? Or the rest of the season? Uh, I would say yes at this point, because with how long Jalen Daniels has been out, how much time he has missed, and then even Lance Leipold going back today and saying that Jalen wasn't really able to practice much last week. Now you get into a situation where, okay, if this guy hasn't played in now quite a while, how much time would he need to kind of get back into the saddle, to get back in the rim of things? And Jason Bean is, is playing at the level he's playing at. I think you do just roll with Jason Bean. Mm-hmm. And I think it's clear from KU's standpoint, I, I don't think they would ever say this, the staff would, but it's clear that the, from the staff perspective, they want to be able to walk into the, uh, walk into the office on Monday and say, this is the guy we're going to roll with on Saturday. You see what I'm saying? So that they can develop a game plan throughout the course of the week. And I think the issue that we're seeing with Jalen Daniels is that because of the nature of his injury and because of the inconsistency that he's had and you know maybe some days good, some days bad, that hasn't been the case. He hasn't been able to walk in on a Monday or Tuesday and say, I'm going to be good to go on Saturday. And so that's why I think they keep going back to Jason Bean. And so to that end, if you're still not sure on Jalen Daniels, I think you absolutely just roll with Jason Bean at this point uh, from here on out for the rest of the season because he – First of all, I think he's earned it. Second of all, this is a, a, this would be the ultimate redemption arc, I think, for a player like Jason Bean after kind of some of what he went through and, and the fact that he walked out the field at the Liberty Bowl thinking that he was done, that he was done for it with his college career. And to come back now and to see what he's doing now, I think it definitely makes the most sense to, to, to just roll with Jason Bean, right? I mean, unless, unless there is some drastic improvement from Jalen Daniels to where you know he's able to just be fully good to go right away, but but again, you now have been rolling with the same guy for what over a month now. 
I mean, how long can you be out where that, that rust starts to build up? So, yeah, I, I am of the opinion that I, I think Jason Bean should go ahead and just start the rest of the season for, for KU. Yeah. And I don't think it's a it, – I don't mean it to come across as like a knock to, I know, to Jalen I know. It's hard to have this conversation without it seeming right. like you're anti or pro one way or the no, other. No, I'm not at all. I, I've just kind of felt like this is kind of the drop-dead week. And again, like Jalen – Jason Bean's been excellent. We just said best game of the season, unbelievable performance. Him and the defense win you that game. Jalen Daniels is still your best quarterback, which is not, again, a knock on Jason Bean either. It's just that Jalen's that good when he's healthy. But I feel like this is the drop-dead week because it's really I mean, hard to you're not reintroduce throw him out a guy. Against K-State. Exactly. Exactly. You're not going to throw him out there against K-State. Especially with that rust level. And then you look at after that, it's like, well, are you really going to introduce, at that point, like the last game of the season on the road on a team's senior day? It's like, uh, that's, you know. And then at that point, if Jason Bean's been the starter for all of your regular season games at this point, except for that first couple games with, you know, Illinois and Nevada and whatever, are you really just not going to be like, hey, Jason Bean, your final collegiate game, we're not going to let you play in the bowl game even though you started the last seven or eight games, right? So I kind of feel like this is the drop-dead date for that, and we heard from Lance Leipold today, and we heard from Lance Leipold after the game. After the game, he said that Jalen – obviously, Jalen didn't travel with the team. He said that Jalen – like how, I, I forget how he worded it, but basically he didn't practice last week, which implies to me he had a setback after we did see him on the field the previous Saturday. And then today we heard from Lance Leipold, and he said that he was watching practice, something to the tune of that, basically implying that he did not practice, he was just watching it, which tells you there's more setbacks. And so yeah. I think it tells you a couple things. One, clearly the injury to Jalen Daniels is very serious. I don't know if it's something that requires surgery. I would almost at this point, if I were KU, if it is something that's going to require offseason surgery, I would just say just make that offseason now. Just give him the surgery now because Jason Bean's been so good. And, yes, yeah. there was that moment I, of scare when Jason Bean got hurt and Cole Ballard has to come in and you're like, was, oh, no. I was about to say, if if Jalen Daniels' injury is something like that where it may require surgery but maybe he could still play this season, I wonder if KU would be hesitant to shut him to like have him be, be done right now because if Jalen Daniels is to the point where he you know he's not going to be able to like have a full week of practice mm-hmm. and actually play, but he is you know they said he was like in an emergency he's available – I wonder if they would do that because otherwise, Cole Ballard, sure. right? Otherwise, Cole Ballard's coming in. Yeah, and that makes sense. So I don't know but- if it's like a thing where it's like, okay, he can't really practice, but in an absolute emergency, he could maybe go in for a little bit, and we want to keep him available for that purpose in case in case Jason Bean does get hurt. And I get that, but also like the fact that he didn't even travel with the team, he wasn't even available for no, emergency. I, I, so I, that's where it kind of <laughs> loses me. But I, I do yeah. understand what you're saying. If that is the thought, then okay, that's semi-understandable for me. Um but yeah, man, I I think it's just it's just that when you look at it, like this was kind of the week for the drop dead for me. And so if Bean's your quarterback this week, which it sounds like that's kind of the indication at this point, then just roll with him. He's been good enough, and it seems yeah. like he's getting better and better the more that he's getting the more reps and the consistent playing time and everything. Yeah. The team seems to trust him. So it's not a knock against Jalen Daniels. Just get healthy, man. Just Just get the back right. Get good to go, even if it's for next year. Jason Bean's doing an excellent job, and uh, I think it's just kind of a nod to that, if anything. Yeah. So and like I, I said, I I think Jason Bean's also earned that right. Yep. I mean, beating Oklahoma at home, and then following that up with a really really quality performance on the road against against a quality team in Iowa State. I mean, they're going to be Iowa State is probably going to be, as you said, a frisky bowl team. I would <laughs> think. You know, I mean, I don't think you want to be seeing a seven and five, eight and four Iowa State, and if you're an opposing team getting drawn in a bowl game. Yep. All right, so uh, bottom line here, uh, that's kind of what you do if you're a Big 12 title contender. You follow up a big win. You show the consistency. 
uh, is super impressed with what that game means, winning yeah. on the road. Guaranteed a winning able to, record. Yes, guaranteed a winning record, uh, showing that you can bring back up the energy level and everything after a big win, that you're not just going to be complacent with one of those you know, big top 10 wins over OU, that you followed it up with this. Uh, you hit the over on the win total. Like you said, you're guaranteed a, a winning record, seven wins, all that stuff. And so uh, it, while it's a difficult path and, and while there's a lot of things you would need to have happen, like we can legitimately at this point talk Big 12 title scenarios for how KU gets to Arlington and how this or that comes about, and that's really exciting. We'll talk plenty more KU football throughout the show today. We'll also get to some KU basketball. Coming up next, we'll get to our hit of the week. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch service makes my body feel loose and limber and gets rid of some of those day-to-day aches I have from a long Long day at the office or working out at the gym. During the stretches, all you need to do is relax and breathe deep and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have massages, rapid tension services, and advanced skin care. That's Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and South Black Bob Road in Aletha. We'll get to our KU basketball preview against North Carolina Central in about 15 minutes from right now. First, we have to pick our hit of the week, brought to you by Pearson Collision. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football, but in your car, not so much. Quality work, every job, Pearson Collision in Lawrence. So I got a couple options here. Uh, let me know if you can think of any others that, that come to mind. Okay. There was a, th- This one might go a little unnoticed. Obviously, Melo Dotson had the pick six. There was a third and 12 that Iowa State had in the second quarter that Rocco Beck hits like a 9- or 10-yard pass, and Melo Dotson comes up and just cuts him down at the legs, yep. makes it like 4th and 2, 4th and 3. They ended I do up remember punting that. the ball. Because the guy, if I remember right, it wasn't the best pass because I think the guy would have had the first, but Beck kind of threw him – more towards the sideline, and he caught it, and that kind of forced him back. But then Dotson hit him immediately and took him down. And then they ended up punting. So that was a good one. Austin Booker had a nice sack of Rocco on uh, third down. Which, by the way, every time I, I heard or, or say the name Rocco Beck, uh, you, have you ever seen those bits with, like, Elmo and Rock, yeah, the Rock? Yeah. It's yeah. called Rocco. Yeah, Rocco. That's all I think of. That's all I think of now. Anyway, uh, Austin Booker sacked Rocco on, on third down after uh, – <laughs> Iowa State had that long kick return that they marked the guy out at like the 30 or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Booker ended up sacking him, hitting him pretty hard. It got him out of field goal range, too, so they ended up not getting points there. Yeah, that was a big sequence. Um, I really like this one. It ended up being like a 20-yard completion for Iowa State, but like the hit itself, I put this on my Twitter. You can find it at D. Johnson Radio. Austin Booker like knocked the blocks off this like left guard, left tackle uh, who was trying to block him. He was doing a stunt. And angled in and just ran over the offensive lineman. He ended up missing the tackle on the sack, and then it was a nice play by Rocco to throw like you know 15, 20 yards downfield to the sideline for a completion. But that was like an awesome hit to see. And then uh, Gage Keys hammered Rocco as well. He got a roughing the passer call, so maybe don't pick that one. But he did hit him hard. Yeah. Any others? Well, I mean, if we're going off of precedent, uh, you go back to the Illinois game, the Austin Booker hit. We did not award that one to him. I That's correct because of the roughing. So does that mean we have to eliminate, via precedent, do mm. we have to eliminate Gage Keys here? I guess so. Okay. So no more Gage Keys. Does that make us eliminate the Austin Booker one because he didn't complete the play? No, because he didn't get he didn't get flagged. Okay. But it ended up being like a 20-yard completion even though he knocked the socks <laughs> off the lineman because he just couldn't complete the tackle. For me, I don't know. That was my biggest uh, hit okay. game, I think. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. I mean, listen, if you deliver a hit to an old lineman and just destroy the guy and get off of him, I'm good with that, man. Okay. I'm good with that. Lawson Booker gets it. That gives him two. He is now tied for J.B. Brown with the lead. So what was the other one? one we, still the best, though. What was the other one we gave to Austin Booker? I don't remember. 
That sucks because I don't remember either. <laughs> Maybe we did give him the roughing the passer one. No, 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 no. Because he's we, had some big hits in there. We gave the in the Illinois game. We gave it to JB Brown for. Okay. No, did we? I don't know. Because he forced a fumble, right? Maybe it was Nevada. No, I think there's Jeremy Robinson Nevada. I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to go back. <laughs> we should, Either we way, the scoreboard says this. J.B. Brown has two. Austin Booker has two. But the best one's still uh, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, Kobe Bryant's not a ball. No yeah. debate there. Yeah. All right, Pearson Collision knows accidents happen, understands the stress and pressure. Pearson embodies trusted, experienced, meticulous repair, and they work with your insurance. Pearson Collision Repair, 7th and Connecticut in Lawrence. All right, we're going to get on to some uh, Lance Leipold audio. Here's what he had to say after the Iowa State game in which Kansas won 28-21. to How does it feel to get a win at Jack Trice Stadium for Kansas' first time since 2008? Yeah, it's our first back-to-back conference win since 2008. I mean, this this team keeps keeps chipping away at knocking down barriers and things that haven't been done in our program for a long time. I can't tell you how proud I am of them. Uh, tough place to play. Matt's got a heck of a team, and uh, you know, it was a good football game, a battle of two teams that, that, that played, played hard and physical. And like you said, it's a it, you know, tough place to come in. Uh, two years ago, we came in here, and uh, um, we, we were embarrassed. And, and, and it was an early measuring stick about how far we needed to come as a program. And uh, so, you know, two years, you know, two plus years later, uh, you know, to come back in and be able to do this is uh, is another big step for us right now. Williams, you mentioned the progress in these two years. What strides do you think this program has made in the last two years that enabled it to get this one? Oh, we don't have that much time. Um, you know, there's so many things, but uh, one is just confidence in, in, in the environment when things, when momentum changes that we haven't flinched. And we found a way, and, and we stayed aggressive. We stayed aggressive. Andy stayed aggressive calling, you know, right off, the, right after the touchdown. We stayed aggressive, or excuse me, I think it was after the field goal and after the touchdown again, we come back. So uh, that part, um, you know, uh, you know, shorten a couple positions that we hadn't been all year, and some guys had to step up and play. And there's not that oh no type of thing. You know, there, there's a different look in their eye, you know, that, hey, we can keep battling. And and uh, and that's part of growth and maturity because a lot of these guys are the same guys that were here and and they've been through it now and and with strength and experience and and confidence in some wins, um, they're able to do those things. You mentioned the choice to go for the deep shot right after Iowa State scored the touchdown. What went into that? And why is it- well, we we figured that you know it, it deep shot necessarily it was going to be play action and and we're going to take one. But yeah, because we figured that. You know, they think we're going to run run the ball, try to milk some clock, and do some things, and to stay aggressive. And uh, and our mentality was was going to be important because I don't even know what did we we probably didn't rush for a hundred today, did we? No. So I mean, it was it was tough. And and to think you're going to run the ball enough to run the clock out wasn't going to happen. So um, yeah. I also wanted to ask about the play that sealed the game going, Jared. There just. Well, it was just put in as a dump play that that was going to happen. That you know we we're going to sell run and and uh, you know there was a couple choices there, but it wasn't like hey let's get the ball to Jared. Let's call the play. It's going to work. How impressed were you with Jason overall? Yeah, I haven't even looked at his numbers, but you know, he, you know, he took a took a low shot. He, he's a you know, the numbers are going to jump out at you, but again. Um, He's so much different as far as you know his 
demeanor on the sideline and things were coming. He's he's anxious to get back out there and, and attack the situation. So, how worried were you when he went when he was down on the ground? I'm pretty worried. <laughs> I mean, we got a true freshman. You know. That's played like I don't know what five snaps against Missouri State, you know, you know, on the road a Big 12 close game, and hasn't played in two months. So, um, but uh, but again, Cole gets in there even for a one play and doesn't flinch. He's you know he's you know you know he's got ice in his veins and stuff. But again, to put him in there again, just like we always talk about, just the reps you're gonna have. But uh, yeah, he bounced back though. We're able to have him in there, and uh, obviously, uh, again. Very good win for this program. So you mentioned it was kind of tough running the ball, but what can you yeah. say about Devin Hill's performance? I mean, he went over 100 yards against Oklahoma, and today he had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, his physicality. I thought Daniel Highshaw ran well as, as well. You know, you know, you know, when Daniel's carrying people and making people miss. Um, again, uh, this Iowa State defense has been good. You know, ever since Matt got here, almost, and and they're they're tough. They're one top defenses in the league. It's a defense that we struggled with in all three years. It's a credit to them. They, you know, when you're running the ball, and we run a lot laterally, and you know, things we, we didn't get a great movement, and they're coming downhill and, and making things happen. So, but again, Devin stayed patient and uh, made some key runs when we needed to. And uh, again, the nice thing too, also, guys, is. The, to watch this when guys don't have the numbers maybe that they're used to, that they're excited for what's happening around them. And uh, and, and that's another great sign of this football team. Mello, again, yeah. big six. I mean, yeah. I, I know you can't expect that every week, but what, what you talked a little last week. What What's going so well with him? Well, again, I, I think he saw – I mean, it was. I think the ball was behind the guy yeah, or whatever yeah. it kind of felt. But, again, Mello's – you know, again, he's got, he's got quiet confidence. I mean – they're, you know, he and he and Kobe are, um, you know, they're both have played a ton of football. Both very confident. Both very good players. They just have a little different approach in uh, in uh, outward uh, energy. And uh, but Mello is has been really ready and confident. Unfortunately, he got hurt. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll get him back. Do you know his status at all? Not right now. Okay. No. Well, again, uh, there's something again. I think we're, you know, there's some confidence there. A little more movement on some things that we're able to do. Um, you know, I think our ends continue to play well. Um, so until I really look at what who is really stepping up, but I, I did think we had some guys that, you know. Outside back, I thought Craig Young showed up tonight. Uh, um, probably the most he has in a while that I can remember just off the top to see him make some plays. Um, you know, I thought we had some chances also for some sacks in the first half that we kind of, you know, um, you know, give Rocco some credit because he, he's elusive. But uh, we we had some free hitting things there that we could have maybe have some more more effective plays. We heard you had an update to share on MJ and Daniels and how we um, say that again. Oh, we heard you might have an update to share. I don't. Yeah, uh, you gave it to everybody. Oh, okay. He didn't travel today. Okay, I didn't know if there was more. No, there's nothing. He's yeah. It just we made a decision that um, he didn't practice during the week, and it's best that we just give him a chance. And obviously, this is a bus trip for us, and and all those things on where he's at. Um, through the advice of our medical people, that it was in the best interest of. Uh, I, I him, but uh, again, he stays positive. 
and uh, we're we're awfully optimistic about that. Uh, so I can answer the question. He's not redshirting. He's and, and everything else that, that may be out there, but. Um, yeah, that's about what I got for you today. How, how impressed just overall with your defense, especially first half tonight? Yeah, I thought in that first half, I thought we played really well. But you know, as we said, you know, we talked about this one's going to be one of those that's going to go down to the very end, and uh, you know, and yeah, it was. Was that? Was there? I mean, it seemed like you guys do this. I know you have guys fly to the ball, but it seemed like. More than three, four tonight. It was five, six, seven. Well, guys. we we honestly we probably needed to be better at that early in the year, and we've talked about it, and we talked about certain teams and certain games, and 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 you know, you know, we don't play on grass. There's no, no excuse. This is just facts, okay? But you saw you saw guys slip different times. You saw guys in the wide open. Tanaka Scott slipping, and that. well, one of the things we talked about is we couldn't take anything for granted about making sure a guy's going to make a play or not. We better be flying around the ball, making sure we got enough people around. And I think in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've taken some strides in doing that. And, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, hopefully it's something that we, we make it the norm. Anything else for Coach? So what does a win like this do for your team? I mean, for Ranger of November, still a lot of football to be played. But well, I, I don't know all the... All the ins and outs. Right now, our focus is going to quickly turn to Texas Tech, but um, you know, I, I don't know where it's at with everybody. But I know a lot of other people are in the top part. And as I said last week, uh, um, that you know, after the big win, and I'm at home and, and they're showing the Big 12 standings, and here we thinking that we're doing really well and stuff, and they show five teams that are all four and one, and we're not even listed yet. You know, so. You know, to come into a place and we're a ranked football team and be an underdog, I, again, shows that we've got to keep chipping away. We've got a lot of work to do yet. And uh, I don't know. We, we, we've got a chance here to play, play the last three games. We're in the fourth quarter of the season starting, starting on, on Monday. So we, we got a chance to do some good things. Um, you know, it's, um, I don't know. It, it's one, one day at a time, one week at a time in our, our program. And, and I guess I can wrap it up with this is, that's the same approach when we were here, you know, two years ago and, and, and having it handed to us, okay? We got to go back to work one day at a time, keep getting better. And if we change the formula based on, on wins and losses, that's a very bad message for a football team and a bunch of players. So we're going to stay the same way. They're going to walk in. We're going to address what needs to be improved. We're going to find a way to get healthier, and we're going to find a way to get better before we play Texas Tech. That was Lance Leipold after the Iowa State game in Ames. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to switch gears. A little KU basketball preview against North Carolina Central. Coming up next with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. We got your KU basketball game tonight right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN. Pre-game is going to start at 5.30, so it'll lead into uh, a little bit of our show tonight. And tip-off will be at 7 o'clock between Kansas and North Carolina Central. It's the real thing now for KU basketball. The real deal. The real deal. The and, real uh, thing. I don't know. North Carolina Central is is not seen as being a great team, I think would be uh, one way to put it. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> well, uh, I, so, I you know, what, I, what actually I hearken back to here is Bill Self uh, and some of his – comments about the new Big 12 scheduling and whatnot, yada, 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 talked about how you're now there's a chance where you're not going to have very many of games like this. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what that means for like this season specifically, but that's what I thought about. It's like I wonder does does Bill Self want KU to play more games like this, or is he more looking for, or is he okay with the his comments? Kind of made it seem like he wasn't. He was thinking that there, you know, it's going to be a tough schedule with the way they do it in the future, but. So this could be your last season, really, where you have multiple kind of like sort of, I guess, warm up games, so to speak. Yeah, and they they have a couple of them because I mean North Carolina Central. So the, these are preseason Ken Palm ranks. NC Central's three oh six. Manhattan is three forty three. Then they get Kentucky Maui Invitational with Chaminade would be you know ranked super low, but they're D two school. Um, but then you have two other very hard ones. Then you have Eastern Illinois, who's three thirty eight. UConn is really good. UMKC who's two eighty one. Wait, so, UConn's good. Yeah, who knew? Defending champs are good. Missouri, Indiana, good. So, like, you look at the schedule. It pretty much so in the non-con what? is the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, it's it's it, you're not really playing any games against like, I mean, you middle feel, tier, right? You feel good. I mean, it's either like Missouri's, really good opponent. Missouri's middle tier. Okay, sure. <laughs> if you want to give that, but I mean, they made the second round of the NCAA tournament last year. I see what you're saying, though. It's <laughs> but it, for the most part, it's either like elite opponent. A couple of middle tier, if you want to throw like Missouri in there, I guess like Wichita State, Yale would probably go in there. And then it's like really, really bad. Yeah. So North Carolina Central, though, I will say they were much better a season ago. They were actually 186th on Ken Palm, which is pretty good for a MEAC team. Didn't they overhaul their whole roster, though? That's the thing. So they went 18 and 12 a year ago, made it to the MEAC uh, semifinals, and they lost in overtime in the MEAC semifinals. They were a good defensive team. Um, they forced a ton of turnovers, top 30 in the country in turnover rate defensively. They had a good three-point defense. They were really good at stealing the basketball, which goes into the turnover numbers. They were a good so offensive rebounding team, good three-point shooting team. Is MIAC Mid-East Atlantic Conference? Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Oh, just Mid-Eastern Athletic. Mm, you were so off. So off at disgusting. I was off by one thing. You had what Atlantic, not athletic. What? Mm. Are they not near the Atlantic? I don't Come know. on. I don't think they are. Anyway, so what you said, they are completely overhauling the roster, and that's the problem. They lost all five starters from that team (laughs) last year, and they had some good players. Like, their center was the MIAC Defensive Player of the Year. They had a player who was putting up, like, 16-5 and to lead the offense. They are a pretty solid, you know, low-mid-major team last season. They have 11 new players on this roster. 11, Nick. Wow, that's more that's more scholarship players than KU has on their team. By the way, they have uh this is a great name, Poe Boy King. No way. Poe Boy is his first name. Dude, that's that's awesome. amazing, isn't it? I would assume he has to like Poe Boys, right? I mean, if he doesn't, he should change your, his name. Your name can't be Poe Boy if you don't right. like Poe Boys. Like imagine right? if, if you name like your kid your name, pizza and then they hate yeah, pizza. Yeah, or like it bacon. Work. Yeah. And then like they hate bacon. Like, no. Can't happen. Can't happen. But anyway, so among, among all the players, they have a bunch of JUCO players coming in uh, onto the roster. They have some uh, I, I don't know if they have any. They have like one did freshman. They, did they, they switch freshman. coaches? No, it's the same coach. The coach has been really good. Lavelle Moton, he's he's won like four regular season, four so postseason crowns. What, what happened career. to their team? It's just graduation. Um, I know there was a player that uh, that sadly passed away in the offseason unexpectedly. Oh, wow. So that was unfortunate. But I think a lot of it was, yeah, just graduation. Uh, so, so, so many new players. And when you total it all up. They have one player, Guy Fontelroy, who's a transfer from Austin P, who averaged six points per game at Austin P. Guy Fontelroy is the only player on their roster who played more than 20 minutes per game at a Division I level last season. Wow. wow. So, <clears throat> as many, I don't know, qualms as we've had with, oh, is Kansas going to shoot the ball well enough, and are they going to do this or that? North Carolina Central has all those questions about everything. 
Well, and you got to prepare that to come play at the toughest yes. environment in college basketball, by the way. It's tough. So, Kansas should roll tonight. Yeah. And, I mean, I, and honestly, like, I don't mean this to sound disparaging because this is more to me to, like, lift up that I think there are a lot of actually, like, D2 schools that are actually better than, like, your best D2 school is going to be better than actually a lot of mid-majors. You know what Could I mean? Be. I actually think Fort Hayes State is better than North Carolina Central. Really? Yes. So, I think Kansas should roll, and that is indicative in the spread. Have you seen this, what the spread is? I'm guessing it's like 40. It's it's 30. Okay. It, pretty much anywhere between 29 and a half, 31 is where I've seen it, depending on, on okay. what book you're looking at. Over-under is only like 139, 140. So, KU's going to win 99 to... Yeah, it's like 85-54. Yeah. 84-55, I don't know, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah, but I mean... It does provide an opportunity for Kansas to kind of work the kinks out a little bit. I mean, this is just one of those games where... This is just one of those games where people are only going to react negatively. Like, if Kansas wins by 50, it it, it won't matter. The only, the only possible reaction to this game is if Kansas does not win by a lot and people panic. This that, That's what this game is. So, from that standpoint... Buckle up, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I, I'm I really am curious to see Hunter Dickinson. I want to see him try. I want to see him go out there and try. Well, we'll see if this is the game because uh so okay, Fort Hayes State. I think we talked about this on whenever before that game was Wednesday. Fort Hayes State's three tallest players. Six ten, six nine, six eight. They had a couple six sevens, and then everybody was like guard height after that. North Carolina Central's two tallest players, six nine. And 6'8". Everybody else shorter. The idea that, because you saw some people being like, well, the way Hunter Dickens had scored in this game, that's not going to carry over to any game. Well, it will to this one. <laughs> it will to this one. KU's just going to be able to throw it over the defense, and Hunter Dickinson's going to get some easy points. He just will in this game. Yeah. And KJ Adams, I mean, we, we saw him take advantage when, when he's not on a, uh, I don't know, a big center. Like, he was able to kind of power his way to the rim. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the biggest positive for KJ Adams is... And and maybe we haven't talked about this enough. The fact that when he's on offense and he has a chance to maybe bully a smaller defender when he couldn't really do that last year, that could be something that really helps him flourish as an offensive player. Mm. Is that he might have the capability to do that. Now, I would assume teams are going to be scouting and recognizing that KJ Adams is not as big of a threat to shoot from the outside, and maybe so maybe that allows them to play him a little bit more square in terms of limiting what he can do driving, but. Dude, there's only so much you can do with, to stop KJ Adams from driving to the basket. I mean, he's a massive dude. He's absolutely jacked. I mean, he is ripped. I mean, he could he run through anybody. Don't matter. So I, I don't know, but yeah, that that I was J excited about and KJ that. stands for Juggernaut. Yes, that's the uh, superhero I think that runs through walls. You're making that up. No, I'm I'm being dead serious. Well, I think that's the name. No, dude, what? Yeah, Juggernaut. The dude has the big helmet. He just like runs through walls. I don't agree with that. You don't agree with that? No, I don't. What do you not agree with? I don't. I, I think you made that up. Okay. Well, then I guess I'm in on some <laughs> big conspiracy. Uh, what What is it you most want to see tonight? Because I, I agree with you with what you're saying. It's going to be hard to come away from the game with, like, huge takeaways, yes. even though it is the season either, open. Either KU's going to be win by 50 and mm -hmm. everyone's going to be like, all right, cool, or they're going to win by, like, 
18 like they did against sure. Florida State, and people are going to want to burn down Allen Fieldhouse. But there's got to be something in there, whether it's a player playing well or an aspect of the team playing well, that you would like to see tonight that you think would be a positive takeaway to come from this game. I think it's got to be three-point shooting, right? Okay. Yeah. Like Timberlake shooting the threes. I mean, if he makes some threes, or if Hunter Dickinson steps out and makes some threes, Kevin McCuller, I'd like to see him build. But also, I'm a little nervous about Kevin McCuller. This is a game where I would almost maybe rest Kevin McCuller. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, you he's would, already hurt. But Bill Self will not. He Kevin won't. McCuller will not. Kevin McCuller will not want rest. Yep. I would say, Kevin McCuller, you're playing like 20 minutes. That will not happen. <laughs> unless he gets injured in-game. <laughs> but just, Which is why I only want to play 20 minutes, because he might get injured in-game. I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm almost on board of like, just bubble wrap Kevin McCuller to the Kentucky. <laughs> only use him for the big games. Only. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Dude, I mean, he he's, he's from the small, I, I, it's a very small sample size. But from the very small sample size we've gotten of, this iteration of Kansas with Kevin McCuller, he is the linchpin for everything right now. He's your, he's your most important player. I understand you have Hunter Dickinson, but Kevin McCuller is the most important player. I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it's a, a conversation right now. I mean, you could argue Dwan Harris. You don't really have a backup yeah, point guard. Fine, sure, I guess. But, I mean, I still think it's Kevin McCuller, and I don't think it's close. Mm -hmm. he's, he's so versatile. He's so crucial to what you're trying to do. If he continues to shoot the ball well from three, he becomes your best player, maybe. Almost all-around player. And yet, he has a history of dealing with injuries. And he's already dealing with injury right now. Bubble wrap him. <laughs> Bubble wrap him until Kentucky. That won't happen. Um, <laughs> I, You hit the nail on the head with the three-point shooting. That is for sure what you want to see. That is the one thing where... Like, that, that's something that, regardless of the yes. opponent... That's something you can track and say, okay, you were good or bad here. And honestly, I do kind of think like if this was, if you were playing this game two years ago, three years ago, if you went 10 of 20 from three against North Carolina Central, you probably would more shrug off of it and just be like, okay, cool. Yeah, you just be like, all right, nice. But because Wait. of their struggles that they've had in the exhibition games. I mean, if they go 10 for 20 tonight, are yeah. you going to be over the moon? I think it would make you feel a lot better. That you at least know it's in there. That you know the potential is there. Thing get there, and, and to get to you know, for instance, ten of twenty or ten of twenty-five or I don't know, twelve of thirty, whatever the number would be, that means that a lot of guys would have to make threes. Correct. It's not just one guy making it, and that would mean that probably at least three guys hit a couple threes for you, which would be, I think, a really good sign. Yeah. To pick something else, though, to me, it's it's what is. I, I mean, I guess we don't know totally who's going to be the starting two guard yet. That'll be kind of interesting to see who the guy is. But I'll be interested to see if Self uses these first two games against kind of cupcakes, so to speak, in the same way that he used the exhibitions, just rotating who's going to start. Yeah. But don't you want to see if Johnny Fur like, okay, in, in the second exhibition game, Timberlake played, I think it was like 16 minutes. Uh, El Marco played like 16 minutes. And Furphy played like 13 and change. So it was, I, don't, I don't know if it got logged at 13 or 14. They were all close together. But keep in mind, that was also Furphy in his first game. What if we see Furphy tonight play like 22 minutes? I think it's possible because I think Bill Self is right now clearly, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe this that I think would accurately describe it. Because like frustrated feels like too strong of a word. But I think Bill Self is certainly trying to figure out El Marco Jackson. Yeah. Does it not figure feel out like the shooting guard position is just the center position last year, except you don't have the band-aid of KJ Adams this time? Yeah, I mean it yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a revolving door. It's a revolving mm -hmm. door for sure. And uh, so El Mark <clears throat> excuse me, El Marco Jackson would be the, the guy that I've been gonna key in on. I mean, the three point shooting and I guess specifically Nick Timberlake, but beyond that, 
Now, Marco Jackson's the guy that I want to watch because he's had very specific moments where he's flashed what he can do, but he's also been largely invisible in a lot of the time, a lot of the of what we've seen from him so far. And that I think if KU wants to reach their ceiling as a team, he will have to play a lot better because. I think during our player previews, was Marco Jackson the one that we thought maybe had the biggest gap between ceiling and, and floor, possibly? Yeah. I mean, maybe. To, honestly, it's a lot of the players at the two. It, it's all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Marco's the most critical one. Because, like, Timberlake, he just shoot threes. Yeah. I mean, just literally shoot threes. I mean, uh, was it Joe Dooley that said it? Or Timberlake said it, that Joe Dooley came up to me and said, bro, you came here to shoot threes, okay? <laughs> shoot the damn ball, okay? Shoot threes. What are we doing? I like that. So, right. so Timberlake with the three-point shooting specifically. But Elmarco Jackson, I just want to see him go out there and play. And I think Bill Self made the comment of he's thinking way too much, you know, and I would agree with that assessment from Bill Self at this point. I just want to see him just do, just go out there and play. Just do your thing. Just go out there and play. KU wins and covers if what? Well, I think uh, if, if they shoot the ball from three, I think they cover pretty easily. Or if Hunter Dickinson has like 30. I'll say if they take care of the ball, early season games, you can have turnover issues. Yeah, uh, DeWan had an uncharacteristically bad turnover against Florida, uh, Fort Hayes State that stuck out to me. So don't do that. And North Carolina Central last year, I, I just talked about it, they were top 30 in the country in turnover rate defensively. Uh, their coach coming into the year told the, the College Basketball Almanac, which is like a preseason College Basketball thing, he said uh, something along the lines of playing like the style of 40 minutes of hell. Uh, which is the Arkansas kind of pressing thing that they did back in the 90s. So take care of the basketball, and uh, you should be able to win and, and cover by third. I guess the other part would be if your bench plays well, because they're going to be on the court probably a little bit more in this game than yeah. like the Kentucky game, for instance. Yeah. You're going to take uh, Dylan Wilhite again and pick Hawk? <laughs> we'll wait and see. That's coming later in the show during the 5 o'clock hour. All right, with uh, Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to our Chiefs recap and then plenty more KU football, KU basketball after that. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Opening day here for the college basketball season. Exciting stuff. KU, not the most exciting matchup, but it is exciting to see them out on the court for the first time. Also, an exciting Saturday. KU football moving to 7-2. and two. We'll talk plenty more about both of those throughout the show. We've got some more audio, including from Bill Self, Johnny Furphy, to come throughout the show as well. Uh, before we get into that, though, the Kansas City Chiefs had a pretty large win on a Sunday. If you got up early for it, enjoyed the whole thing. Yep. Did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the okay. extra hour was well, so really nice on Sunday. Here's what happened. Uh, I decided to celebrate the KU victory over Iowa State, and I went out and enjoyed my time out uh, and and uh, returned home at a relatively late or early hour, depending okay. on how you want to look at it. But I got the extra hour back. Yeah. And then uh, I set an alarm for like 8.25 and woke up, watched the Chiefs. Yeah. It was awesome. Worked was out. Great. Yeah. I will say, when after you watch that game, it's a chore to watch like the rest of the tiers of football that day. You know what I mean? Like going from it's one thing to go from watching all the games at noon and then watching the afternoon games and then watching Sunday night football, which usually I I do take a break at some point. Oh yeah. To go from watching the eight thirty AM game to then the noon games to then the afternoon game to then that's too yeah, much I didn't, I didn't too much football. It. I didn't do it either. Yeah. Well, okay, here's before. what happened. I watched the Chiefs. And then I like got some lunch, and then I like came back, and was like, was like, okay, Seahawks Ravens, and then it was a bad game, and so I was like, well, this sucks. So then the other stuff, 
and then I came back and watched the Cowboys and the Eagles. Mm. That's kind of what I did. If the if the if the Ravens Seahawks game would have been a better game, I might have watched more of it, but I I didn't. Yeah. But, no, but uh, there were yeah. some good games out. But anyway, Chiefs win twenty-one to fourteen in yep. Germany. In I guess classic the, Chiefs fashion. The classic Chiefs fashion. Yeah, twenty-one nothing at halftime. Feels like and they're going to win going away. They, they just have screw around. Yep, they had I think what like four. It was like forty-six yards of offense in the second half. Yeah, it was rough. That was a big yikes. And but they they end up coming through with the big stop at the end when when they very needed it. Um, I guess well, the I mean, travel the Dolphins stopped themselves. That's true. I guess the travel questions that we had were. Uh, I don't know. Answered? Was it okay? Or flip side, you know how looked, the game went? Is how the game went actually vindication for that the Chiefs messed up the travel because maybe they they started getting too tired in the second half. Uh, I don't know, but you know who looked jet lagged the whole game? Tua. <laughs> Tua looked like he didn't even know what planet he was on. I mean, he was. I don't know what was wrong with that guy. Well, think he about it. Struggling. He's uh, he's originally Hawaiian, right? Or yeah. he's like, I think he's Tongan. I, I don't know. Uh, I, he's from Hawaii, yeah. I guess would be the way of putting it. It's even earlier there. Yeah, I mean, it would have been like 5.38. In the morning. I don't know. No wonder. Yeah. No wonder it's a, a tough game for Tua. Yeah, I don't know. So but, the, the biggest takeaway for me from this game is, is how good the Chiefs defense is. I mean, we've, we've yeah. known the Chiefs defense has played really good football yeah. even up until that point before that to make you think it's really good defense. But that was a big test because it was the number one team. Number one offense in a lot of stuff. Yes, in, in offense in the NFL explosive, all sorts of weapons. They run the football really well. They pass the football. I mean, it's just an all-around great offense. And yep. you held them in check. Yep. You held them to 14. I don't need you to hold them You scored seven you gotta, yourself. You got you to fumble six out of That was my favorite play of the year. That was awesome. Favorite play I mean, of the that year. That was awesome. There was so much to it. There was the fact that it it made it feel like it put the game away. Obviously, it didn't in the <laughs> end. But it, it won you the game, I guess, in, in a sense. You had a big hit. Yep. It was on Tyreek Hill, which Correct. added to it. Yep. You forced a fumble. Then you have a guy picking it up. On its own, defensive touchdowns are awesome. But then when you add a lateral in there, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, sold. Best play of the year. And I didn't know Brian Cook was like that. I didn't know he had that speed in it. No, I didn't either. I, I mean, that was dude was like a, high knees, yeah, down like the sideline. Kind of, I don't know, hard-hitting I, I mean, I didn't think, he was, think of those guys as like I didn't sprinters. think he was slow. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't, my, my... My thoughts on him was not that I thought he was a slow safety, but I definitely didn't think he had that level of speed in him. I mean, that dude was moving. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. He was moving. So you get that play, and what's crazy about the game, too, in which you held them to 14 points, if you would have told me coming into the game that the Chiefs were going to hold the, hold the Dolphins to just 14 points. Well, and that fumble was the only turnover, right? Yeah, it was. I would have thought that the Chiefs' defensive line against the Dolphins' offensive line that was getting some starters back but was still pretty beat up or having players come back from the fold that could have been rusty. I would have thought that the Chiefs dominated the game because Chris Jones went off and George Karloftis went off and Charles O'Manahue maybe, whatever. That The defensive line dominated the game, got four or five sacks, and that's what hurt the Dolphins because Tua, we've known, has not been a great quarterback when under pressure or if you can disrupt some of the timing stuff on the outside and then get pressure after him, that's what I would have thought would have happened. You could argue that the Chiefs' defensive line, among all the three levels, D-line, linebacker, defensive backs, even if you want to split up into corners and safeties, you could argue that the Chiefs' defensive line was the worst unit of all of those. Not well, that it was bad. Chris it was, Jones you know, did nothing. Nothing. He did nothing yeah, yeah, except a get a critical or, uh, no, personal foul hit penalty offensive line where he just yeah. decked a guy for no reason as far as I can mm -hmm. tell. I don't know. Terrible. Well, so, I mean, it's not like the D-line played bad. They did have a couple pressures here or there. They did a pretty good job against the run outside of a couple late bursts from Raheem Mostert. 
But I guess my biggest like takeaway from all this is is the Chiefs' versatility at linebacker combined with the depth and speed and everything they have in the secondary is is really the heartbeat of this defense. And and it helps so much when Chris Jones is on or when George Kaloftis is going after whatever it is. It helps a ton when when those things are happening. But man, those linemen I mean, to have Drew Tranquil is just kind of this really good all-around linebacker. Yeah. Willie Gay is just a freak athlete at linebacker and when he's when he's on, he's on. Um Leo Chanel is just a bull rushing linebacker extraordinaire, hits you hard, really good in run defense. And then it's just, I mean, the DBs like Legarius Sneed and uh, Trent McDuffie, like they're loaded at the defensive back position. This is yeah. this is an awesome defense. This is enough of a defense that I have a lot of concerns about the offense right now, and, and we'll get to those in a second here. But when you just say the formula is have a, have a top five defense, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, that sounds like a Super Bowl recipe to me. Yes. Like that can win you a Super Bowl. Agree. Yeah. Now, I do have questions, though, about the offense. Is the offense good enough Dude, to win a Super Bowl? Dude, cry me a river, okay. man. Oh, I'm so sick and tired. Dude, oh, the Chiefs offense. They, I mean, they just go out and they just beat the, the best team in the AFC probably at this point. Yes. I mean, besides maybe the Bengals. But isn't the way that more playing. of a team thing than but, the offense thing? No, I'm just saying you just go out and beat the best team in the AFC and all you want to do is cry about the offense. I, do, I don't care. Yeah, I, do, I do agree with that. Enjoy the wins. You know, 10, 15 years Dude, ago, you know how happy I mean, you would be just to have this opportunity or this win? God, you're 7-2. and two. You're yeah. going to be the one seed. Now, I, and all I, you want to do is complain. You do have to. I, so I agree with that. I, I do think there's probably too much of that. At the end of the day, though, I do think there is a part of this that you do need to have a skeptical eye to be like, okay, enjoy it. Understand, for the most part, this was good. But realize the offense does have to get better if they're going to win a Super Bowl. Guess how many games right? they have left. The bar to get, is that high. Guess how many games they have left to they get. Have better a lot to get there. The yes, Bowl. like nine games. Okay, they got nine more games to figure this crap out. All right, I'm just I, I'm just not concerned. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The only the only thing that I'm legitimately concerned about is Travis Kelsey looks pretty old out there. <laughs> I mean, it the the you got to face the facts here. That dude is not quite moving with the same agility that he has in the past, mm-hmm. which makes sense. He's 34, tight ends, you know, getting old. That, and that like every play, they were doubling and triple teams. Because, exactly. Like, if you're going to rely on Travis Kelsey, and I, and even still, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking to myself, you're an idiot. Travis Kelsey's going to turn it on in the playoffs, and he's going to be fine. <laughs> so even as I'm saying this out loud, I'm thinking mentally that I'm an idiot. But I'm just saying that that part concerns me. Because if if... If Rashi Rice, Sky Moore, MVS, if those guys can't totally figure it out and you're just going to push all your chips into relying on Travis Kelsey, I that makes me slightly nervous. But again, on the flip side, I do think that Travis Kelsey, there's a high possibility that he just goes Terminator mode in the playoffs and it doesn't matter. Mm. So <laughs> then I'll just be an idiot anyways. But there's a little bit of concern there. There's 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 a little bit of concern. Um, listen, Canarius Tony trade... Might not have been that good of a trade. I'm just saying. Well, it's like I, I dude, wish the dude doesn't play. I wish they would actually use him, give him a shot. I don't know. Maybe because the Lions game. Well, I don't know what's wrong. Is he I hurt? Like, I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Maybe that's what goes in. I feel like he gets one target a game, and it's like a screen pass. They're not actually using him as a receiver. MVS dropping that deep ball throw that would have been uh, a, a huge play for you. Rashi Rice. That, that was a that was the best pass of the of the game. It was. The home. Yeah, but but it was good coverage and MVS. It was going to be a very very difficult catch. Should have caught it. <laughs> he got he only got one hand on it. Rashi. Well, he should have got two. He's a receiver. Uh, Rashi Rice 
I think continues to show good flash plays, but it's almost like, why are they not using him more? <laughs> you know, um, Sky Moore had a decent bounce back game, but he also still had two. I mean, the Chiefs leading receiver had, what was it, three catches? And if you're going by yards, it was like about, 34 I yards. I don't, I don't care about that. They just they can't get separation. They don't have enough players they trust, and it's just, I don't know. I do think it's very blessed. There's a little known play. But and that they still you can can't run. convert third and shorts. Dude, at what point? Okay. There's a little known play that you can run. The third and one that, QB sne- oh. that no. would work very well. Halfback dive? Called HB dive. Yeah. <laughs> you should try it sometime. The third and one drove people crazy. At some point, the thing where I didn't the hate Chiefs, that play call, to be honest. Where the Chiefs don't. Try QB sneaks on on because dude, here's what happens: down plays. Eventually, it's gonna hit ahead. You run HP dive with Pacheco, and it gets stuffed, and immediately everyone's gonna cry. You're the best player in the world. Why don't you get the ball? Why don't you put the ball in your hands? You're the best player in the world. And then you don't run HP dive, and Mahomes tries to throw it to a guy, and it's incomplete, and then everyone gets mad. Okay, it's a lose lose situation. I think. It is. You're right with that. It's ridiculous. The thing that about it was though, when you look at the play, the Dolphins were basically like leaving the middle open. They were like, we don't think you're going to run it up the middle. And that's where the QB sneak thing comes in. And at what point, I do wonder, like, everybody is blaming Andy Reid and being like, why won't you let Patrick Holmes do a QB sneak? Like, okay, the, the chances of that happening again, what happened in Denver. Honestly, just run so HB dive. Why, 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 why mess but with running QB at sneak? At what point does it, is it, does it become on kind of Patrick Mahomes to just be like, who cares what it just audible into a QB sneak or just run, just HB, run it yourself? Just, you don't. I mean, I, you literally control the ball in the huddle in the call. Just do it yourself. Just do it yourself. I don't, I don't understand. want. I don't want Mahomes to do that. Why? Just run HB dive. You have Pacheco. All right. You have it's a battering successful. Man. It's less successful. You have a literally okay. Then run QB sneak with Pacheco. All right. Fine. Whatever. Uh, but uh, hey, at least the Chiefs' offense has McCole Hardman now, who's going to field every punt inside the five yard line. Field that uh, one of the two. What, what's going on here? Yeah, that was. Tough. Have you got your McCall Hardman jersey yet? I have not. Okay. Well, I don't. Should I get seventeen or twelve? I don't know which one to get. I'm telling you, seventeen. Way to go. I, I think so too. But yeah, I mean, I've expressed my opinions on fielding punts quite a bit on this show, and I have maintained that in the NFL, I am more okay with fielding punts like inside the twenty. Because NFL punters are literally insane and can down it inside the five like with ninety percent success rate. On that particular play, I think Michael Hartman probably could have let it go and it would have been fine. So I don't know why he did that. And normally it's like, well, you have Mahomes, who cares? But we stink now on offense. <laughs> we stink now. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, all in all, seven and two. Game up now on one of the top AFC contenders. Everything is fine. You're gonna go win the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey's going to turn on God mode in the playoffs. It's not going to matter. All this all this crap about complaining and moaning about the offense is going to go away. Chiefs 2024 Super Bowl champs. Okay. There it is. That is my official stance. I'm not quite there. I, I do have enough qualms about the offense that I would take in a playoff game a couple teams in the AFC over them. But that's a, that's a uh, I don't know, small potatoes problem. You know, Overall, they're still a really good team. They're still one of the top teams that are going to have one of the best chances to win the Super Bowl. Um, I know it's not the same explosive offense you're used to, and that's part of the problem. If if this if this was year one of Mahomes, I don't think we'd be realizing how big of an issue it is. Like it hasn't been great, but it's not like it's been terrible either. Like yes, there are games like the Broncos game or this one where you only put up 14 on offense and 46 yards in the second half. The Broncos game will be an outlier. Yeah, of course, it is an outlier. 
but for the most part, it's been like, okay, they've been a, a fine offense. They've been a good the offense. Top five. We just have those, those expectations where it's like, oh, they should be number one because you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid's mind calling plays. And that's not happening. So they're still good enough to win the Super Bowl. And, yeah, the defense, excellent stuff yeah. against the uh, top offense in the NFL. Yeah. We're going to take a timeout. We've got another player preview, our last one to get to with Johnny Furphy. We've uh, also got some Bill Self audio to get to, some more KU football, more KU basketball content here on the show. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. We've been doing our player previews where we uh, play some audio that we gathered from KU Men's Basketball Media Day about the player, then discuss their ceiling, their floor, their most likely outcome for this year for KU. We only have one player left that we have to uh, get to, and that is... I don't know, maybe the biggest enigma on the KU basketball Thunder team right down now. Under. Johnny Furphy is the correct uh, guy that you're maybe wondering, what is that nickname and why is Nick calling him that? I still don't know why. It's not going to stick, is it? I don't think it is going <laughs> to stick. But I think we do need a good nickname for Johnny Furphy. Notice Listen, how I said good I'm nickname. not seeing you come up with any ideas. Uh, don't be that guy. What do you mean don't be that guy? Don't be the, oh, you're not contributing. You're not, yes, I am so, going to be that guy. Oh, uh, no. What I do... I, dude, I can sit here and list nicknames all day long. Okay, what do you got? It's my job to figure everything out. But I can tell what a bad nickname is, and that's one of them. Anyway, why, what's, what's so bad about it? I think it's fine. It's just uh, Thunder down under? Like, hey, what does that even well, have to do with... First of all, you don't with, say it like that. Okay. Uh, what does that even have to do with being Australian? What do you mean? That's just a show in Las Vegas for male strippers. Did you not know this? No. Okay, well... Now you, you know, dude, from down under. People say down under Australia. Yeah, it's a it's a male it's a very popular male strip show in Vegas called Thunder Down Under. Hmm. Well, that's why I'm you say it the way that I say it. Oh my god! Because then it's not; it's something else. All right. Anyway, um, we had a chance to hear from Johnny Furphy. Always sounds cool whenever uh, we hear someone with an Australian accent. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, here is our conversation with Johnny Furphy, and we uh, got to the bottom of uh, Nick is. Uh, been upset with me for not knowing what Vegemite is, so I, yes. I had to address that with Johnny Furphy. Here's that conversation. I had a, my co-host tell me what Vegemite was, and I had never heard of it before. Can yeah. you please describe what Vegemite is? It might be a bit tricky to describe. It's a savory paste, kind of like peanut butter okay. uh, you put on toast, but you don't want to put too much on. because Do you like it? Love it, yeah. Love it? You have... Butter and a bit of Vegemite and okay. it's on toast. I was looking at pictures and I don't, I don't think I could get into it. No, yeah, that's what a lot of foreigners say. Like they will often try and they'll have a spoonful of it and they just say they hate it. But you got to do it right. So is there anywhere you can get it here or I'm I don't sure. know? I think there might be. Uh, I haven't looked into I'm it. I've ordered it once. It's, okay. it's, it's quite savory. Okay. It's very savory. It's like made of yeast, I think. I'm yeah. Not, so would that be maybe the food or the dish that you miss the most from back home? Definitely one of them. Yeah. Because yeah, that's just pretty much everywhere in every household. And, and for your, I guess, parents, are, are they going to be able to come out and see a game or two this year? Yeah, they're currently working it out just with their work and flexibility with that. Um, but definitely they want to try to get to the Maui tournament. Um, kind of works. It's a fun one to meet in Hawaii. Yeah, because it's kind of halfway between here and Australia. So, um, yeah, that's one they're looking for. Um, yeah. So what, what would you say has been the biggest difference between where you're from in Australia versus here in Lawrence, Kansas? Uh, in terms of basketball or just uh, both? Yeah. Uh, for basketball, I think the physicality. Uh, it's been something I've had to adjust to. It's just a lot of stronger, older guys uh, having to bump in, bump into with like every every day. Um, and otherwise, just kind of the people, 
just the uh, just the general vibe. It's very different, but I'm loving it so far. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess going back to Australian basketball, we've seen a lot of good Australian players come over, whether it's college basketball or in the NBA. Yeah. Is, is there a, an NBA player from Australia that maybe you have viewed as a role model or, or you most model your game after? Um, yeah, so definitely Josh Giddy. Uh, he's been like a role model of mine for a while. Just past, He's always been really successful in the past years. Um, but yeah, there's, there's again more and more Australian NBA players recently, so it's been just great to see that happening. Yeah, Halloween is coming up. Is that something that's celebrated at all in Australia? It is, but not to the scale it okay. is here. Here's pretty much everything's celebrated on steroids. Okay. I don't know if you've had any American candy yet. I always think that European candy tastes better. I'd, I'd imagine it's probably the same in Australia. But do you have a favorite, you know, candy or chocolate or anything? Uh Reese's Reese's Cuffs yeah yeah there's a lot of variety here that's for sure for sure so what what do you want to bring to the table on the court this year for KU I think I'm just looking to make it impact offense or mainly defensively Uh, I think that's where I'll be able to generate my offense from but yeah just being having an impact uh, without the ball would be like just be a really good thing really good thing for us but yeah that's where I'm thinking do you have a favorite thing to do off the court off the court, just kind of hang out. I like to play video games, just nothing too crazy. What's the go-to video game? Fortnite. Are you the best Fortnite player on the team? I'd say so, yeah. All right, that was Johnny Furphy. And uh, you heard from the basketball part of it, him talking about um, being able to play well without the ball. And I think it makes sense. Being able to play without the ball, you're not the first option, hitting threes, yeah. playing good defense on the other end, that's going to certainly contribute to, to whatever his role is. Are you satisfied, like, though, with the Vegemite part of it? Yeah, I feel like you should try some. No. I feel like we should get you to try some. I'm good. Have you tried any? No. Why do I have to try some? Because you didn't know what it was. Uh, but you're the Listen, one who's... If you're going to make me eat Pop-Tarts for Pop-Tarts Bowl, <laughs> you should have to do this Vegemite. If, okay, going back to that real quick. If KU does make the Pop-Tart Bowl, I legitimately will go to the store and pick up one of every flavor of Pop-Tart they okay, have. Okay, but... And you can have a Pop-Tart tasting... Okay, I'm fine with that. And we will I, rate honestly, every Pop-Tart. I don't want to eat Pop-Tarts for a week because I, I think I would die. No, I, I won't do that to you. I, I think was, I would I was, legitimately I, die. I've been joking about that. I mean, I, It would be a like, funny I bit. Think, I mean, I, I'll steer in I think I would to, probably I'm contract game. some sort of disease of some kind. Probably have scurvy. <laughs> don't have enough uh, nutrition. You'll get scurvy, man. <laughs> So I think for health purposes, we should yeah. we should not do that. But I'm down to just trial the flavors. But the thing is, is would you eat a Vegemite Pop Tart? I don't like the fruity flavors. So like I'm out you don't on that. like them enough that you like won't even try them. I would maybe try them. Okay, but dude, give me some brown sugar, some s'mores. Okay, those are the top two for sure. And like, I don't even like the cake ones. The cake ones aren't good. Well, I think the idea here is you have to try every flavor we get. Fine. Okay, fine. We'll get one of each. Sure. And whatever. they come in packets of two, so you can have one, I can have one. Okay, And fine. then we'll die yeah. of diabetes after the segment. That, exactly. All the sugar That's my concern. If you're going to make me eat well, no, for a week. Just, you just have one bite. You know, we could even do like the wine right, tasting right. thing. You, you take a bite, spit it out, we have a bucket. You don't do that with wine tasting, do you? They have uh you don't have to, but a I lot of you the- I thought you like stick your nose in the glass and like- Well, you get the smell And then smell you swirl it around and then you- No, you, you know, swirl it around and wait. <laughs> go, go, go a little bit and, you know, taste it around. What are you laughing at? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have parts of this that are right, but the way you're doing it is very wrong. So I yeah. thought I nailed it. Okay. To uh, be honest. Whatever. I don't even want to go into where you were wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, Johnny Furphy. Yeah. Him. What sure. is his ceiling? I mean, I think, uh, ba- okay. I think his ceiling is a little bit dependent on other guys maybe not hitting their ceilings. 
I mean, his ceiling is starting at the two position, right? That's his ceiling. Sure. At 25 minutes a night, starting two guard. That's his ceiling. But that is dependent, I think, more upon, like, he could be really good, but I think it's more dependent on, like, El Marco slash Nick Timberlake not being that good. Probably a combo is that both, fair? right? Because, the, yeah, the, the ceiling, uh, if both players hit their ceiling, El Marco is the Starting. starter Correct. at yes. that point. Exactly. So you're, you're right there for sure. Um, but Furphy can can definitely make it to that if he hits his ceiling and yes. Marco's good but not great. Like maybe yeah. maybe he starts at that point. Yeah, I I agree with you. The ceiling is that. And at that point, if he is a starting shooting guard on a team that ends up being really good, and he has solid numbers as a true freshman, good athlete, and, and does some of these little things, his ceiling could be an NBA draft pick as as late as this year. Now, Possibly, I, yeah. I I've been under the impression that the idea with Furphy is. KU brought him with the intention of him being a multi-year player, KU, being a two-year yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, well, so there was some comparisons to, like, when they brought in Svi. Mm-hmm. The difference is Svi was 16 when they brought him in. Furphy is he's 18, I believe, or he's about to turn 19, I think, right? Yeah, so He's think a little so. bit of, more of an older player. Uh, but, yeah, to that end, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. that the, I think the idea is that he was would not be a one-and-done. He would be a two-year guy, probably. Yeah. As far as the impact on the court, it would be that he's one of KU's better three-point shooters. He's a versatile, switchable defender because he's he's got length, he's yeah. got athleticism, yeah, and he's a nice. Uh, even as a starter, you're you're almost a glue guy, role player because Dewan's gonna have the ball so much, Hunter's gonna have the ball so much, Kevin, KJ are gonna have the ball so much, yeah. Uh, Which that, that makes his answer complimentary to the piece. Yeah, question that you asked about how he fits in, moving, mm-hmm. you know, playing without the ball. That's going to be probably a big factor for him. Sure. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that, to be clear, because, like, no. I mean, guys get drafted off that all the time. If yeah. you're I mean, not quite. This would be probably stretching it a bit, but you could make a case that Christian Brown was at times in a complimentary role for KU two years ago, that Ochai was getting the ball the most. Yeah. You know, Dewan had the ball in his hands a lot. Remy Martin was a go to scorer when, when he was healthy and back and everything. David McCormick was, like, almost the primary focal yeah, point and of the he had offense. Five billion post ups. So it's like to a certain extent, like Christian Brown was was at times complimentary post ups that that uh, that last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what does the floor for Johnny Furphy look like this year? Mm, I mean, I think the floor is. Uh, I think the floor is barely being a rotation player. I feel like, given the circumstances, he's probably going to still be getting some minutes a little bit. Okay, he doesn't really have like a backup. Four. I mean, if your backup yeah, they four don't, is Kevin, then I'll, who's your backup you know, when three? You only, when you only like, have okay. nine scholarship players, it's hard for your floor right. to be not playing at all. Yeah. Like I feel like he'll be his floor would be spot minutes basically. And like that's then abs- that that is the absolute worst. Like absolute floor. Yeah, it's everyone. Yeah, I think I think floor. Yeah, five ten minutes a game. Uh, what do you think is most likely? What do you think the most likely outcome for Furphy is at the end of the year? Mm, I don't think he'll be a starter, but I think he definitely could be a guy that's playing. 15 minutes a game. Yeah, I could see him being seventh on the team in minutes. Minutes okay. per game. So you're right, putting you have him, your, your so four starters him, that we know. Yeah, so you're putting Whoever the fifth starter is. And then El Marco Timberlake, and El Marco. I feel like one of those will be sixth in minutes. And then Furby seven? Yeah. Parker, so Brown Parker Brown might be. Well, Parker Brown is like a, a more for sure he's in the rotation. Yeah. But less so, minutes because well, it's What I would kind of push back spot. on that is like. Parker Brown may be playing only six minutes, but he's going to play six minutes every night. Right. right? Furphy might have nights where he plays 15 or 20, but he mm-hmm. also might have nights where he doesn't play really that much at all. Sure, but I think I think the overall average will be above okay. what Parker Brown is. Okay. That's just kind of my guess. Sure. So I think that's most realistic. Somewhere between 
12 to 18 minutes per game. I think what's realistic is him shooting low to mid 30%. If he shoots 35 or above, that's I think good. that's gravy, really right? Because it's, it's just hard for freshmen to come in and shoot right away. Um, right, over under. Makes a couple flash plays. Five starts Ooh. on the year for Furphy. For, for, for. I would take the under. I don't know. Is that a good number? Is five a good number? I think that's a pretty good number. I mean, it could definitely happen. I don't know. The more I think about it, maybe it isn't like over because if, if Kevin has a game or two where he's injured. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. makes it more likely that he could start. Maybe yeah. I would take over. Okay. Especially with the way that the two-guard spot right now has not been locked down at all. Yeah. So that I don't know. Maybe, maybe I am on for, team over there. That definitely leaves it up for, mm-hmm. for grabs between those guys. And again, going back, going back to what a ceiling could be, I think it's – it's almost less dependent on how well Furphy plays compared to maybe how well Alamarco and Nick Timberlake play. I would not be surprised if Furphy's one of those guys, too, where he has a couple games this year where it's like you see it all come together, but it's not as consistent as yeah. what happens with freshmen. Like, he could have a game in Big 12 play where he randomly you know, goes three of four from three and has, I don't know, 14 points and five rebounds and a couple assists, and we're like, wow, is he turning the corners? Wow. The next game, he plays 12 minutes. The and Australian has points, right? menace. It's just hard for freshmen. I'm more on board with like that, Australian but again, menace? still, what does that have to do with being Australian? What do you mean? Being a menace. What does that have to do with being Australian? Well, I, I don't understand. Okay. I'm just saying, I feel, Australian like the, menace. I feel like the nickname needs to be something that is Australian. Kangaroo first. Like with, for instance, with Tristan and Aruna, Kangaroo the conversation, first. you're more online with that. With, with Tristan and Aruna, the conversation was Flying Dutchman or Dutch Oven. Because he's heating up or flying Dutchman, he can get up and dunk, right? Okay. So you're getting there with kangaroo. Maybe there's something with the hops. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work. We'll, we'll get there uh, eventually. If you have any name suggestions, hit us up. Nickname Outback suggestions. Outback Steakhouse. No. You lost it. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a timeout. We've got uh, some Bill Self audio coming up on the other side. With Nick Springer. Perfect, I'm Derek perfect. Johnson. No. Whoa. I, that one. I kind of like that one. Like surfing for that would actually oh, be surfing better. Surfing furfy. There we go. How about that? Like I that actually better? am on board with that. Surfing furfy. You like that better than it's surfing furfy? Furfy and turf. Furfy and turf. That doesn't sound as good no, as surfing surf, furfy. Surfing furfy. I like surfing furfy. Okay, I can get on board with that. If you have any suggestions, at RCST thirteen twenty on uh, Twitter. Also hit us up with any uh, mailbag questions for later this week too. We already have one in there that uh, from an email, which you can hit us up there. RCST thirteen twenty am at gmail.com. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shark Sports Talk. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. We've got your KU coverage coming up in half an hour from right now with the Crimson and Blue Show leading into the KU North Carolina Central game. We'll get into more, some more uh, KU basketball talk in a moment here and some Rock Chalk Pick Hawk. Uh, but I wanted to recap a little bit more at the KU football game. KU takes down Iowa State 28-21 to on Saturday as we do on our Mondays. What was the biggest positive of the game for KU? Biggest positive, I think, has got to be the play of Jason Bean, right? I mean, we talked about it earlier. Best game of his career, possibly at KU. Certainly, top two or three game of his of, of his KU career. He was outstanding. Coming off of a game against Oklahoma in which he was kind of up and down, but got the job done in the end. To come out and follow that performance up with one of the best he's ever had on the road in a tough environment in a game in which we've seen KU football kind of look a little lethargic after some big wins in the past. That did not happen, and it started with the quarterback Jason Bean. He was fantastic throughout. I think he's got to be the biggest. Po- I think that's got to be the biggest positive. 
Yeah, that that would certainly be. I mean, 92 QBR, he was excellent, making a ton of tight throws and everything like that. And and in the big moments, he he made some more stuff happen. Um, To pick a different one, how about the KU running defense? We talked a lot in the open about how good the KU defense was overall. You hold them to 21, you you get a pick six in the process there. But specifically, the run defense was excellent for KU. Iowa State finished with 29 carries for 75 yards. That's 2.6 yards per carry. This was your best rushing defense game since the BYU game. Yeah. Every other Big 12 game, besides Iowa State and BYU, you've given up more than 200 rushing yards. You did not let it be a problem against Iowa State. And uh, really, from from the get-go, it, it never really was an issue. I don't even remember what their longest run was. I guess they had a 15-yard run at one point. I don't remember that. Uh, their leading rusher had a long of 10, which, I mean, everything was under that. So, yeah, you, you avoided the big running play. You just yep. did well overall. That, to me, was uh, kind of a huge and takeaway. Rocco Beck had had some games where he had used his legs. Mm-hmm. Not in this game. Not, in not this so game. fast. He was friend. not effective at all. And, and yeah, the, and I think the biggest thing is, it wasn't like a situation where Iowa State just totally abandoned the ground game. Like it felt like to me, they were trying to establish the run game throughout. And no, they ran it twenty nine times. Yeah. They threw it twenty seven. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it just didn't matter. They just never could get it going. They never really had a lot of success on the ground. And so, yeah, very impressive game. And I think when you add on to that the fact that you were without Tommy Dunn, and I don't Devin Phillips didn't play in the game either. I don't believe right. Was he out also? I know Tommy Dunn didn't even travel, so he wasn't there. Yeah, Dunn wasn't there. And Phillips, I don't know if he pl- how much he played or not because he got banged up in the Oklahoma game too. I don't know how much he played. You saw a lot of Gage Keys and you saw a lot of DJ Withers, and that that those guys. Caleb Taylor up. played well too. Yep, Caleb Taylor, yeah. So I think that as well adds to the fact that this was a very very impressive game uh, from KU uh, and uh, against uh, an Iowa State offense that, as you said, they generally like to be pretty balanced, and they did not have a lot of success on the ground against KU. What was your biggest negative? Hmm, I think it's probably the biggest negative special teams, okay. right? Kicking. Missed two field goals. You missed two field you goals. You almost did to Iowa State what Iowa State did to you <laughs> last year. In not a positive way. No, no not in a positive way. <laughs> missed your field goals yeah, and lost. I mean, yeah. you know, you and rewind. You gave up the long kick return. I mean, you rewind back. Yeah, that's true. Which could have been even longer, but he stepped out of bounds. Uh, yeah, you rewind the clock back, you know, three or four weeks and... Special teams was not even at the forefront of our minds at all. They'd been really, really good. Seth Keller looked pretty good. Uh, he hadn't really had too many issues. Damon Graves continues to be really solid. Again, I, in this game against Iowa State, I don't think Iowa State had a chance to return either punt he punted. They fair caught both of them, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or how many times did he, he, he punted? He punted three times. Three times. One finished inside the 20. He only averaged 39 yards a punt, but I think all of those were pretty much but, with yeah, that so no returns. field. Yeah. So no, no returns on those punts, which I think is, is fine. Uh, but, yeah, the, the special teams with the kicking, I think, has got to be a concern because, like I said, a month ago you felt pretty fine. You felt more than fine. You felt great. And now all of a sudden you're heading into the home stretch of the season. Kind of leaking oil. And now you're starting to have some more questions, right? Seth Keller has shown now that he doesn't really have great range uh, with his leg. And Owen Peeper Gertis, who I think his, the, the kick that he attempted from 51 yards uh, was a pretty good kick, right? I mean, I, I didn't have Not any the distance. issues with it. Yeah, so – We'll see if he gets a chance maybe to, to show more of what he can do in the kicking game. But, yeah, it's a little discouraging that you're going into the home stretch of the season and you have now some questions again, once again, about the kicking game. My biggest negative was some of the game management stuff. Uh, KU ended up scoring a touchdown on this. I think it was the first drive uh, that they, they had of the game. They had like a six- or seven-yard run, and it was like going to be second and goal from the six. 
But they had an option. Iowa State was like offsides. They could have had like first and goal at the seven or something. And for some reason, they didn't take the penalty. That was kind of weird. Hmm. Um, then you had the uh, the fourth and were they, three. Were they trying to run the clock at that point? Is that why they, they declined it? No, it was in the first quarter. It was in the first quarter. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's maybe it something the broadcast shouldn't bring up. And, and maybe we all got duped watching the game. I don't know. Um, I loved the aggressiveness when they went for that fourth and ten uh, early in the game. Then ended up leading to a touchdown. Because you were fourth and ten at their thirty-four, if you punt and it's a touchback, it's a fourteen-yard. Yeah, just just go for it. You know, if you don't get it there at the thirty-four, like big whoop. It's it's not that big of a deal. So I love that. But then from there, they they kind of turtled up a little bit. They had the fourth and three that they missed the forty-one-yard field goal from Keller. At that point, it was almost like to me, hey, you're moving the ball well. You went for a fourth and ten. Why not just go for the fourth and three? Because it was clear. Not just the KU has been struggling a bit with the kicking game, but the wet field conditions, probably not super ideal to kick the football in anyway. So I, I thought they could have gone for it there. And then at the end of the first half, um, when when they tried the 51-yard field goal or 50 or, or whatever it was for Mo and Pieper Gertis, it was a 4th and 9, and I thought it was kind of the same situation they were in with the 4th and 10 earlier. Why didn't they just go for it again? It worked on the 4th and 10 earlier. Why not just go for the 4th and 9? What ended up happening, you missed the field goal. They got good field position. I actually would have, to be completely honest, in that situation, it was 14 nothing with like a minute left. I would have preferred punt over to try that 50-yard field goal. Again, given the fact you had been struggling kicking the football, uh, you were going to go to a new kicker, it was a wet field. Because if you punt the football away and pin them inside the 10, they might just kneel the ball out at the end of the half. Instead, yeah. they ended up getting a field goal at the end of the half. And that three points could have ended up being the difference, you know. So yeah, um, that to me, I, I didn't love all of that, but overall, everything else was was pretty good for KU. Yeah. The running game would be something else I would I would throw out there. It wasn't a great running game for KU. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, biggest neutral of the game. Mm, biggest neutral. Uh, I, okay, could you say the biggest neutral was the. The comparison of the two ground games, neither team's ground game really yeah, did much. Yeah, that's probably a good they one. just neutralized each other. Yeah. I don't know. They had 75, you had 74. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To me, that might be the biggest neutral because you you didn't turn the ball over, so that's a big positive. Iowa State had the pick six, obviously. Uh, Jason Bean was great. O-line was great. Wide receivers were great. I don't know what else you would pick for a neutral. I mean, you, you, were, you, were, you were the better team. You were the better team in every circumstance – Except for the rushing attack and special teams, mm-hmm. which special teams is the biggest negative, like we talked about. And rushing attack, it wasn't a negative; it was neutral. So I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with the run game, I guess. I'll say third down defense. I don't. I don't know. This might be teetering on on not your best effort, but I'll, I'll say money down performance. Six of thirteen combined, if you include third and fourth down for Iowa State. So not the best stuff from the KU yeah, that's defense. A little high. It's a little high, but it's not like. Out of this world high. It, it's like, you know, you can get away with it, and you did in this game. But it's the biggest neutral because, theoretically, forcing them into a lot of third and longs, they, they should have converted a little less, maybe. Or maybe you just played it poorly. I, I don't know what the the discourse should be on that and, and yeah. how they converted all those third and longs. But, yeah, yeah maybe that one would go up there. Uh, what is the play of the game to you? Oh, to me, the long touchdown pass from Bean to Arnold. Okay. It's got to be. It was All a the critical moment in the game. Away. Iowa State, first and ten, the, run the, the fake speed option. The the farm, the farm people, the farm folk, they were getting riled up. Iowa State was coming back a little bit. You absolutely needed a response, and you got it, and then some. I think you could argue a couple. I mean, the Bean one to Quentin Skinner was number two on Sports Center top plays. Yeah. Like that one was unreal. It yeah. did not actually lead to points on that drive though. Mm. 
So yeah. from an importance factor, I think from an importance yeah, no, factor, that's what, it is, yeah. yeah, that's why I think it's got to be is being, to, being Arnold. to Arnold. I will say the last drive being they to had, Casey. the last drive they had, there there were two uh, key third downs. Yeah, even before the Casey one, it was a third and I think like eleven or something, third and eight, and it, they hit an out route to Luke Grimm. Mm. Um, that was a big play, and then yeah, the being to Casey one, obviously a big play. It it won you the game in the end. What about the Melo Dotson pick six? He won by seven. Yeah, no, that was that was good. He had a game winning pick six, dude. Rocco threw that ball directly to Melo Dotson. I mean, du- directly. You think was he was one like, of the ah, worst throws. You're probably going to get a pick six at some point here. Just it take this one. It was one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, he threw it straight to him. Rocco! Straight to him. Straight to him. But Rocco's a rock. Dude, you know Emma hates Rocco, right? I know. Yeah. I remember there was one episode where, or I've just seen a clip of it, I guess I should say. I'll probably be okay, watching Okay, bye, Rocco. Well, uh, the, whatever Elmo's female counterpart is trying to yeah, like, give a cookie, name. and they have a certain cookie, and Elmo's like, Yeah, he's um, the rock. I, I, wanna, I want that cookie, because they had like one type of each. And they were like, no, sorry, Rocco has that one. And he's like, but Rocco's a rock. That's the whole thing I was thinking of the entire time they were playing Rocco back. Anyway, yeah. Uh, that is our KU football, uh, I guess, I don't know, other recap segment here on RCST. we got to get some more KU basketball because they're playing in less than two hours from right now here on KLWN. We'll get to Rock Chalk, Pick a Hawk, Rock, or uh, KU basketball game picks coming up next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. We have some uh, nicknames already sent to us, so thank you to this. Uh, I like this one, Furf3. If he's a good three point shooter, that that's obviously yeah he's gonna be good. That, that has to happen. Yeah, he's gonna be three. good three point shooting. Yeah, we we came up with uh, surf and furfy like surf and turf. Yep, because you hear that all the time at like Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> so the furfinator. Yeah, uh, mm, I don't hate it, but I don't I don't love it either. Furfinator because Terminator is played by Arnold and he's Austrian, not Australian. Same thing. Not really. What do you mean? Uh, we got furf dog in there. The furf. <laughs> the furf. I, I actually kind of like furf. Furf. I think bit. Furf works. Yeah, but it's not—it's not quite a nickname like in. Uh, I know. Need, yeah, you need. Yeah, because like you wouldn't—you wouldn't say that Sfee was a nickname for. Would you? Would you say that was his nickname? I guess in a way, like Furf would be the same way Sfee was. Right? Exactly. Yes. But if you—if we were but actually not really going for nickname, something for no, not really. I, I, I guess it, it's a shortened. Name. I like Furfinator to be anyway. honest. All right, uh, Rock Shock Pick a Hawk. I am two and zero. You are zero and two. Uh, actually, zero and zero. One point for every point. Two points for rebounds and assists. Three points for blocks and steals. You lose one for every minute played. And a great start for me with two back-to-back wins. You and have the first pick, though. It's zero zero. Both that counted though, and I am two and zero. Oh, and uh, you have the first pick. You can't count an exhibition. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I think I gotta go with uh, Hunter Dickinson here, right? Mm-hmm. So Big I'll take size 100. mismatch. Yeah, I'll take Hunter NCC Dickinson. doesn't have a ton of. I mean, their tallest player I mean, six What if 10, he has like thirty and fifteen? I'm sorry. I don't think he'll be out there that much because they're going to be blowing him out. Yeah. But I guess he still could. I don't know. Wouldn't be crazy. Um, I'm going to go with Kevin McCuller. Okay. A little worried coming off the injury. Like, how much are they yep. actually going to play him? But yep. we've seen him put up over 20 in each of the first two exhibition games. He also we gets a handful plus of rebounds every game. He'll get yep. an assist or two. He'll get steals to fill it up. So, I'll go with Kevin with my first pick. Uh, by the way, how many do you want to do here? Um... Theoretically, if they're going to win by 30, they should play a deep bench. Mm, but also each. no Zach Clements anymore. Five each. Five each? Okay. That's fine. Can I go with you? That's good with me. Okay. Uh, so, Kevin McCuller, my next one, I will go with Dewan Harris. I think Dewan could have a big assist game. Those are worth more than points. I think yeah. Dewan could have a big steal game. You're playing a team who has 11 new players on the roster. Uh, game one, they could have a bunch of turnovers, and Dewan Harris could be a big reason why. 
Uh, yeah, I was hoping you were going to be not smart and not take Dewan Harris, but you did. So I guess I'll I I got to go with KJ Adams here. I don't know though. KJ Adams to me is is falling into the territory of like not a great pick because he really good his, basketball player, his, not a great pickhawk. His player. rebounding numbers have not yes. been good to start in pickhawk because if he gets which four is a rebounds, I know twelve points. That's twenty pickhawk points. And he plays, plays 20, 25, 30 minutes. exactly. He plays twenty seven minutes. That's a problem. Yeah. So I'm nervous, but I'm still going to go with him for now. I think he still has earned the trust, the benefit of the doubt here. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with KJ Adams. Now this is where things get really tricky. Mm-hmm. With my next pick, who's going to start the two? I mean, do I go with El Marco? Do I go with Timberlake? Do I go with Furf Dog? <laughs> Furfinator, Surf and Furfy. Should it be Surf and Furfy or Surf and Furf? I like surf. Yeah, surf and furf. Surf and furf. Surf and furf. Yeah. All right, surf and furf. You know what? Screw it. Give me surf and furf here. Okay. Okay. Love it. I don't trust Timberlake, and I don't trust El Marco either. Surf and furf. Okay, and that's why I'm going to go with Parker Brown. Uh, we saw it against Fort Hay State. Parker Brown was really good in uh, relief role for Hunter Dickinson, playing a minimum amount of minutes. Grabbed you a couple rebounds, scored a couple buckets for you, got a couple blocks. Again, you're playing a team that's smaller. This team actually has a smaller front line than even Fort Hay State had. So uh, because of that, I'm going to go with Parker Brown. I think the efficiency is going to be good for him. Oh, boy. By the way, I saw this earlier. It's no longer on there on DraftKings. Nick Timberlake's over-under was 12.5 points, and I was like, why? Um, Yeah, it should be like 20. He's going to go crazy. (laughs) 20? Well, then why didn't you pick him already? (laughs) I will go. I don't feel great about this. I'm going to go on Marco Jackson. Hopefully the comments from Bill Self ring well to him, and maybe he knew now the season actually starts. Maybe he can start fresh and just be like, you know what? Tonight, just play. Just I'm play. just going to go out and play. Just play. And if I mess up a couple plays or if I mess up this or that, at least I'll use my athleticism and still make an impact on the court. Give me El Marco. I'm glad that you did that because now I don't have to choose. So I'm going to just I'm going to go with Nick Timberlake. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, listen, the ceiling is there. I mean, you know, he might play 15 minutes, and if he hits some threes and it's four you know, threes, yeah, three whatever, threes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So. I'll take Timberlake. One more. And then with my last pick, so what are my options here? Well, Jank. Yeah, Jankovic, uh, uh, Jamari McDowell. Jamari McDowell, yeah. Patrick Cassidy, Dylan yeah. Wilhite, Wilder mm, Evers. The thing, about Mc, the thing about McDowell is, like, he might play Zach Clements three or four. if you don't think he's going to actually redshirt. Zach Clements if I just want to guarantee not <laughs> getting true. negative. You could get zero, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the thing with McDowell is like he might play three or four minutes and not really do anything. Mm-hmm. I think if I pick Jank, he at least is going to get some shots up. So, Michael Jankovic. That's what I would have done in your situation. I will just go with Jamari McDowell. Maybe he hits a three tonight, and maybe that gets me positive points. Okay, so that's Rock Chalk Pickhawk. We also have to get to our KU basketball game picks. Mm-hmm. KU sitting on DraftKings, use code KLWN, at minus 30. Kansas. A lot of points. <laughs> If you give me Kansas, I'll take Kansas. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I could say, well, they only beat Fort Hays State by. I'm you know, not going to pick a team that I that has a billion new. They have players. eleven new players. I think you could argue Fort Hays State might be better than NC Central. Fort Hays State is a good D two team. I don't. I don't think people realize the difference there isn't as much as you might think with mm. uh, some of the lower end mid majors to uh, Division two. So I'm going to go with Kansas. I think they just play a better game, more turned up over the course of it. Uh, so I'll take Kansas minus the thirty, and uh, the over under is one forty. Oh. That's tough because I yeah I think I'm gonna eighty to fifty is ten points under, 
And like we haven't seen the KU offense go off. Yeah, I'm actually going to go defense under could here. be good. I'm going to go under. That's the way I was kind of leaning. I, I'm going to lean over though because of the fact that NC Central's coach said they might press okay. and and play that style of play that's going to speed up the game. And if you speed up the game, play more transition, more possessions, more chances for KU to go over. So I will go yeah. over, yeah. even though I don't feel great about it with the three-point shooting. Do you have a favorite prop bet? Yeah, I was Kings? torn between uh, McCuller and Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson's point total is 16 and a half. That's correct. That is just criminal. I mean, that is criminal. You can also get Hunter long. Dickinson points plus rebounds plus assists at 27 and a half. Mm, I don't love that as matches. I don't love better that as odds, much. though. Minus 120. The other one, minus 150. Uh, I I don't love that as much as the okay. over because, dude, I mean, in the Fort Hayes State game, Hunter Dickinson had, like, what, 10 points in the first three minutes of the game. And I think they could easily do the same thing here against NC Central. So, Hunter Dickinson, over 16 and a half points. So, I really like the uh, the Kevin McCuller over 13 and a half points. He scored 20 in, in back-to-back game. But the one I'm going to actually pick for this, for my locked one, Dewan Harris over five and a half assists. I mean, does this not feel like a night where Dewan's going to have like 10 assists because yeah. everybody yeah. should be able to score a good amount? Yep. Five and a half. I'm, I'm surprised it was that low. I thought it would be six or seven coming yep. into this game. So like I'll, I'll take that one. Yep. All right. That's going to do it for us today. You can check out anything you missed with the best of RCST podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts now available at KUSports.com. We'll uh, recap the KU North Carolina Central game on tomorrow's episode. But Crimson and Blue Show coverage starts next. For Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You've been listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk KU at 7 right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. See you tomorrow. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.